Hello again, everyone. I'm Dan Duva. Welcome to the SLGND Podcast. Sheriff Lawless and some guy named Dave, presented by the D Hotel. 11 games into the season, Vegas stands third in the Western Conference at 7-4-0. On deck, the conference's top team, the Colorado Avalanche. We size up the Avs and ask which teams are best in the NHL right now, which teams are below expectations, and which early achievers will hang around for the long haul. On the VGK front, we put the team's early play in context. Marc-Andre Fleury's stellar showings, dynamic special teams, We hunt for the root of inconsistency, and we discuss the pending return of defenseman Nate Schmidt and forward Alex Tuck and how the lineup might shake out. It's SLGND, the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, presented by the D Hotel. And now, here's Dave! Dan Duva, you're the best. As usual, the Sheriff Lawless, Some Guy Named Dave podcast, coming to you from our world headquarters. City National Arena, downtown Summerlin, the Sheriff Lawless, Some Guy Named Dave podcast presented by the D Hotel, the official downtown hotel of the Vegas Golden Knights. All right, fellas, uh, Dave Gosher, Shane Knighty, Gary Lawless, Dan Duva, all in uh, our, our luxurious studios here in downtown Summerlin. First road trip, legitimate road trip out of the way. Uh, a three-gamer for the Golden Knights in Philadelphia, in Pittsburgh, and then in Chicago, they took two out of three on the trip, Shane. They're seven and four through their first 11 games of the season. Uh, how do you assess where they're at right now heading into a four-game homestand? They have another gear. I, I think, you know, you mentioned they got four points. Marc-Andre Fleury got them four points. Uh, Fleury was phenomenal in the two games they they played and when they won against Pittsburgh and Chicago, uh, the saves he made, uh, pretty good justice for him to go back into Pittsburgh and get a shutout. Uh, not only a shutout, but on 29 saves. A uh, little little connection there with number 29. I'm sure you can figure it out, Dave. Some you're a, you're a smart fellow. I know, I know what number he is. Thank you. Um, you know what? Uh, I look at a lot of those games. They didn't have the pace. I thought they looked slow in a couple of them. Uh, I don't think their legs were going uh, when they play that tenacious forecheck. And, and you, can't get, you can't get into your forecheck, which to me is a staple of their game when they're successful, unless you're moving their feet. And I think uh, at times they were slow over this trip, but uh, it's easy. You know, it's never easy and you don't want to critique wins. They were able to pin, pick up uh, a big four points. And I think if you'd ask them, they'll take that. You take that out of three games. You go two and one on a road trip. Uh, it's always a good thing to bring back home. But uh, I certainly think, uh, especially with them going up a- tomorrow against the Avalanche, they need to turn it up a gear or two. And one of the things that we have seen early this year that we did not see on the three-game road trip, first period scoring. They did not score in the first period in any of those games. Yet they remain the best first period team in the league. 14 goals in the first period. Plus six going into that last game. Point is that they had been scoring early in games to start the season. And then that puts you, as you talk about the four check, a lot of things fall into place, it seems to me, when you can get that early goal. Uh, you're, you're setting the tone, and, and then it all kind of falls into place. And on both those wins, Gerard Gallant said he did not like their first periods. And, and that's something unusual. They didn't come out, and the reason they were still in the game is they they had a, a goaltender who was not only making saves, making highlight real saves. He's been doing it game after game after game, and uh, it, it's great to have that here while they find it. I think a lot of teams, the first 10 games of the season, you're still trying to find your way, get into systems, get into that groove. Uh, so 
That said, uh, their goalie's been able to hold water here for them and give them some points. Now they need to turn around and give him some goal support. Yeah, the saves he made in the Chicago game on Kane, Debrinket, Saad. I mean, it could have been 4 nothing in that game easily. They, they find a way to get two points. Nick Holden scores late. They win it in a shootout. The inconsistency in their game, though, Gary, um, what do you attribute? Take it a step further in the, the goal, the goal scoring department. Didn't have a five on five goal in those three games and one, two out of the three games, which sometimes you have to grind different ways out to win. But what do you attribute the inconsistency to so far? That's a really interesting question. Paul Stancy said to me after they lost to the Bruins, he said, this should be for us. This would be like our opportunity to look into the mirror. Because if we look at the way Boston played, we realize how hard they were play- to play against. If we play our right way, we'll be just like them, and that will make us really hard to play against. They're bl- it's black and white with them. When they work hard as a group, they win games. When they take their foot off the gas, they're, they drop to the level of the opposition. And that's that's where the inconsistency, inconsistency comes from. You can, we can talk about some guys not scoring and this and that. It has a group when they don't play that but they don't have that identity of being the hardest working team on the ice they they're not the, the, as much good talent as they have now they're still not crazy elite it's not like they have a McDavid or a Crosby or a Malkin or a Matthews or a Shifley that type of player Mark Stone is the one guy that gets into that discussion but his game is really different it's not about flash that's a good comment but but they do have more skill than they ever have and that's why it's a little skewed right now hey, do you think that they do you think that they believe that a little bit Shane and sometimes I'm sure they do they're they like should. we're good enough to win on our talent and does that get in their way it might, it might right now. Like they didn't have year one was you think of the consistency in that work ethic, in that compete game to game, because they knew they didn't have the skill to get by. You knew what you were going to get night in and night out in year one. And they, that was a problem for them all of last year. And you had Mark Jonathan Marshall. So was the, he personally made himself the poster boy for that. Just said, I wasn't good enough. And, uh, you know, he told me about a conversation he had with one of his teammates. They were on the road. They were out after dinner. And one of his teammates said to him, who are you? Well, what do you mean? He goes, you're not Jonathan Marchessault. He goes, what do, you, what do you mean? He goes, the Jonathan Marchessault I know, you're not him. And he said like they, they, he was getting angry. And they're almost going to, like, have a fight. And then he said he went home. He left. He went home and he stayed up in the hotel room the whole night, couldn't sleep. And he said, because he was right. So, and Marcia So has been really public about not loving his game last year. So, and you look at this group and it's, it's a little in and out when it comes to effort. And I, now I think that they're going to figure it out. Oh yeah. I think this is a really dangerous team and they're seven and four. They could be five. They could yeah. be six and five. They could, they could be, be. They'd be under five hundred if it wasn't for the goaltending. Yes, five and six for sure. You could easily see them. The Ottawa game and the Chicago game are two right there that could have swung Pittsburgh. That could have swung the other way. Yeah, yeah. For a while, Pittsburgh flurry was. I, I, I didn't. I thought they were good enough to win. That was a good Pittsburgh. road game. It was a it grind. Was, it wasn't yeah, fancy, sure. but he still came up yeah. with saves on Hornquist. I think Cahoon. And there's, yeah. but, but he's part of their team, and he is going to make those saves. So I'll let you run the show because that's what you're supposed to do. But this Theoretically. Really, this really leads into 
if there was ever any doubt who was the most valuable player and the most important player in Vegas, it should be erased now. There was never any doubt for me. It's Marc-Andre Fleury. Is it? Because there was a player they didn't have to start last year and they didn't have to start this uh, year. For sure, yeah. Well, yeah, they're 7-4 and four without Nate Schmidt. Yes. Last year they weren't. Yeah, and yeah. We, just, we just left Gerard Gallant's press conference talking about that, and he said, well, I think you all know how important <laughs> Nate is. As important as Nate is, Flurry still. Yeah, it's one A, one B. I would, yeah. I would, I would suggest. So that leads us to, and, and I'll just throw into that yeah. it, it, to to play off the idea of of you know uh, sleepy was one of the words that Gerard Gallant used uh, in Philadelphia. I wonder how much in terms of mindset Jonathan Marsh is so the motivation from himself for himself and maybe his line mates. But when you talk about mindset and that, you know, pedal to the metal mentality, the working harder than anybody else, how much of that comes from the the personality of the goaltender? They're 0-2 when Fleury is not starting. And also Nate Schmidt. We if there's one word, right? It's it's his infectious personality. And how much does that help put the rest of the guys on the bench, on the ice? over the edge when you need that little bit more. It's not just the play. I think it's mindset as well. I uh, with And here's the good news. With Schmidt and Tuck, and it's easy to forget, Alex Tuck hasn't played a game either, and yeah, he's in their top exactly. nine, that both back skating, you know, Gerard Gallant was asked this morning at his press conference, does he expect them to uh, go on the road trip? Uh, practice this practice. week. I'm sorry, practice this week. Because uh, you would hope they'd go on the road trip. And they've got four games here coming up uh, over the next week and a half that uh, after that, the Golden Knights are back out on the road for four. But um, without those two in the lineup, their record last year, Dan, without Schmidt early, uh, the first 20 games was with three games under 500. But I can't remember off the cuff. And they had not great. They, and that first win that they, they uh, was a shootout in Minnesota. That right. was like their only win in the, the first seven games. It was. You could see it, it just wasn't there. And 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 there are a lot of factors in any season, any opponent, but no doubt about it. That was that was a big part of it. And I guess the difference is last year you knew exactly when Nate was coming back. Here is the date, this is the time, the place where he will be back in the lineup. Now it is a matter of all right, is he gonna be in for the game tomorrow, the next game? When is he skating? When he comes back, is he gonna be at hundred percent? That's it's a lower body injury. So skating has not been something that he'd been able to do. Whereas last year he was skating and practicing the whole time he was out. Well, a Turk just dropped this morning that he has started skating yeah. uh, by himself. So that obviously is uh, when you're talking about a lower body injury, that usually means the guy is getting pretty close. It's a good thing. Back to the goaltending. So Mark Andre Fleury's been unbelievable. Um, Oscar Dance got a tough night in Philadelphia. Hadn't played a game in a couple of weeks, right? He had played with no. the, in the AHL with October fifth. October fifth. Yeah. Sixteen days. So, starts. Um, and he gave up seven goals in that one. Right. So hadn't played with the Golden Knights in two years, yeah, almost right. two years. Right. That game was two years to the day of his NHL debut. Yep. So a lot, you know, the larger issue, and, and we can take it back to last year where Malcolm Subban, a hard time staying healthy, didn't really give them reliable backup goaltending. He plays one period this year in Arizona, can't come back and play the rest of the game. They bring up Dansk, Garrett Sparks, who's been you know, decent enough, I guess, the last couple of years, be it through- it's Fantastic in the American League. American League's been really good. Yep. Toronto, not, not, uh, not bad. So now he's back up. Um, Gary, now maybe I'll come back to you with this. They've got to find a way. You know, Fleur's got all their wins. And this was an issue. I feel like it's a it's a broken record, but this was an issue last year. They need someone to come in and give them reliable backup goaltending. Well, imagine where they would be if, like, I'm not even going to say it. You know what yeah, I'm going to say. Yeah, if he wasn't unbelievable. Right? You know, or, or if something else happened, right? Like, they better hire an armored truck to get him to and from <laughs> the rink. 
I'm telling you, you know, yep. he better not get a pimple. No. Nope. Uh, he is very important to them right now. So uh, this to me is, I think they have two issues roster-wise that they need to, and, and I'm not saying they have to go outside the roster. You know, Malcolm, unfortunately, was really good in that first period against Arizona before he got, you know, he made some big saves uh, before before he got injured. And But it's hard to overlook the third year in a row of injuries. Oh, absolutely. No, no. I'm, so what I'm getting at is they, it, maybe it's Garrett Sparks, but they need a number two that... Reliable. There's a reason Mike Babcock feuded and publicly feuded with Kyle Dubas when they took away Curtis McElhaney. That is... That you're, the head coach is Linus, and the backup goalie is a, is that security blanket. That when you know when we need a guy to go in there to give the number one guy a rest, I it, he's going to fight, he's going to compete. It may not be perfect, but he's going to give us an opportunity to get some points. They can't say that right now. When Gerard Gallant was asked after the game in Philly, they lose six to two. They gave up four goals in the second period, and he said he didn't mind their game. That's a roundabout way of saying we really didn't get any key saves or timely saves in that game, whereas at the other end of the ice, Brian Elliott was really good. So it continues to be, and, and, and maybe Sparks is the answer. I mean, the, the issue is, guys, so they've got a four-game homestand here, Colorado, Anaheim, Montreal, Winnipeg. They're pretty much spread out. they got to play. They, He's got to play listen, one or two of those. Sparks has got to play one of those games. Yes. You can't wait. Like, uh, I, I counted – the next time they have a back-to-back is until November 9th. Yeah, the end of the ro- the next road trip. Yes, yeah. you cannot yeah. wait till that game to play Sparks. Let's just revisit last year when Fleury started 13 consecutive games. That was mid-November to mid-December, and there were two different stretches of back-to-backs within that. The first one, he had shutouts in both games. Mm-hmm. And then it finally ended when there was another back-to-back, and that's when uh, Fleury's run of 13 consecutive games was interrupted. So in one sense, you appreciate when Fleury is at his best, you want to maximize it. Let him run with it. But then you see at the end of the regular season, you know, you you could go through all the reasons. He he wasn't quite the same, and he's unavailable. And then in the playoffs, is he quite the same? So you're going to use – I don't know the answer. What's the formula? It's not like filling up your gas tank and you know precisely the amount. It's it's 50%. It's a quarter. It's on empty. Like, it doesn't work that way. Dave's fancy car actually tells you you have one mile. Right there. Fill up quick. Every car now does. Right, right. I drove on zero the other day. It was exhilarating. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Kramer. But there is no gauge on Marc-Andre Fleury as to no. exactly where that tank is. No. And if you use them a lot now, okay, maybe that does put them into the place where they were a couple of years ago. He was so good in December two years ago. But it, does that come at the expense of him at his best toward the end of the season? Paul Stastny was, uh, again, and we should all be worried about our jobs because when he does retire, he's he's smart. He's got an analytical mind. He said, I study time on ice. He goes, and I'm looking around the league right now, and I'm looking at teams that are going really heavy on certain guys. He said, you can't last. He said, if you're playing one of your forwards 23, 24, 25 minutes a night, if you're leaning on one line, you're leaning on one line that heavy, he goes, sooner or later, you're going to have to pay the piper, and that guy's going to get burned out. So that's the thing with Marc-Andre Fleury. To me, there's two things. You're looking at his games. You're looking at the, the situation, days between rest, but you're also looking at the body of work. And he hasn't had a game where 
it's been maybe early on uh, San Jose. That'd be the only yeah, ones I could games. think of yeah. where he didn't have to do much. Well, yeah. I can't say that here over the last eight games. No, he's or Busy seven boy. games. Busy he boy. has been, and he has come up with saves left to right, right to left, sprawling, scrambling. That to me is more taxing. So you look at the body of work as well. Not only the games played, the minutes played, the body of work. And it's, it, he's been pressed. Golden Knights last year were the last team in the league to get a win from a backup goaltender. And it happened, uh, was I want to say it was near the new year, if not into the new year. And they've yet, you know, Fleury's got all their wins uh, this year as well. So it, it makes it a, a really interesting dilemma because, you know, if, if Sparks comes up and, and gives you a good game, do you keep him around to give him, a, to, you know what I mean? Like Absolutely. Yes. Do you give him a little bit more? And you know what? You just talked about the back-to-backs. Fleury says he's great in the back-to-backs. Yeah, and numbers prove it. So maybe you kind of find a way to rest him, play someone else so that when he does get in those back-to-back situations, you can use him in both of those. Because I'll tell you what, the team is not as good, and the rest of the team is not as good as good in the second of the back-to-back. They probably need their an elite goaltending performance like they got in Chicago from Fleury on the back end to get them through it. I am not big into the analytic numbers as much as some, but when you look at, at this particular statistic, goals saved above average. Mark Andre Fleury at eight six five. That's number one with a bullet. Number one. Number two, Darcy Kemper, five nine zero. Everybody, you know, so it goes from eight six five yeah. Fleury. That's almost three goals more. By the way, the the last two on the list, the number is so bad it doesn't even register. Dance can sue bad. Jonathan Quick is the lowest one that registers at minus nine. And again, I don't get into too much of that stuff uh, because it's I like to be able to see something and describe it. But there is a number that kind of bears out what we're seeing in context of the rest of the league. The Sheriff Lawless, some guy named Dave Podcast, coming to you from our studio, City National Arena, downtown Summerlin. Reminder that we're brought to you by the Foley Food and Wine Society. And uh, by the way, check it out at uh, the Tasting Salon, T-Mobile Arena. That's behind Section 17. You, Shane will probably be there. Oh, I go, uh, I go there every intermission. Yes, all yeah, the wines right. are poured into commemorative Golden Knights wine glasses no. that fans or Shane I will be now. <laughs> so be sure to stop by the Foley Food and Wine Society Tasting Salon, located behind Section 17 on the main concourse. Shane will meet you there tomorrow night in the first intermission. I'm between benches. Okay. Bring me one down. I'll Can meet you there. <laughs> Send the server down. Is there servers? Hey, we could arrange one for you. That road trip, by the way, the next time they have back-to-backs. Uh, in Columbus, uh, so every other day, Columbus, Toronto, Washington, but the end of it is back-to-back Washington and uh, Detroit. So that's the next time they play uh, back-to-back. But anyway, uh, still 7-4. and four. You can make an argument that, you know, the first two games against San Jose, they were dominant. Yeah. And since then, it's been... No, last nine. Last nine has been, been two things. Goaltending. So, goaltending. So, goaltending goes... So, I'm going to... You guys can follow in after this. It's two things we talked about. They're a more skilled team than they've ever been. Well, that's helped carry them. The power play. And then the penalty kill. Penalty kill's been good, but who's been the best penalty killer on the team? Well, the goaltender. The goalie. So, that has won them more games here through the start. Uh, and, and you can't expect it to continue on that path. It's always going to be ebbs and flows. But because they have more skill, their power play has overshadowed some of their games. It's allowed them to win, as, as has their penalty kill, which the guys have blocked shots. They've done a good job. They've got a very dangerous penalty kill, four short and goals for, but Flurry has still been their best penalty killer. The Prior to this trip, the shots for were really high. They were near the top of the league in that category. So that you know leads me to think eventually – 
you know, they're going to regress on the power play for sure. They're not going to. They have the most shots in the league. Yeah. Three. So they're not. And now some of those will be on the power play as well. But five on five, their shot, their shot generation has been really good. So they're it, it, they're going to regress on that power play. But those shots on goal, like William Carlson, the puck's going to start to go in for Carlson. him. You know, Wiley Smith, although he's seven, he could have. Yes, for sure. He could have more, for sure. Yeah, Pacioretty has. Uh, he's still getting shots. It's not going in for him, but what, it's going to start to what go. What did Gerard Gallant say? They think they they tallied uh, eight posts so far. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah. that's the puck's going to start to go in for him. So I don't worry about the offense. I think that that eventually is no, the, the, the power play is going to going to drop. To me, the thing that 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 I really worry about is I think they give away too many chances. Too, Too many, many high quality, for sure. Yeah, yeah. and that's why yeah. that's why Mark Andre Fleury has made so many of those highlight reel saves because yeah. he's been put in that position to do it. Why do you think that is, Gary? Is it is it a defensive issue? Is it the forwards not supporting Nate them? Schmidt? Nate Schmidt. Uh, I really think that their game loses shape. I don't. Uh, their pairings are you know are are mixed up, but they're really good. And Shane can speak to this better than me. Uh, better than most people, they're really good when they move up the ice together and they move back the ice together. And uh, they ha- there's too many times they're fragmented. They're not they're not going through the three zones as a five man unit, and that's because of the way defensemen jump into the play in the NHL today. You got to have five guys coming back. You can't have you can't have two in a center trying to do the job. Can I ask the question to Shane? There have been seven games in the last 11 days and obviously ending with three on the road. It started with a back-to-back, ended with a back-to-back. Now that there's this stretch of four home games and it's not dense, there's going to be practice time in here. How much can a day with practice, that's not a morning skate, it's not a travel day, it's just a regular day, and after you're done practicing, you go home. Can this be a time where some of those things can be addressed in practice? Absolutely. And they did today. They played, well, for number one, the pace was up. They did, they did some drills or skating. You know, you do your typical two-on-ones. You want to do pace, attack. They did a lot of what Gary talked about and Gerard Gallant talks about, playing in five-man units in all three zones. So they did a lot. They worked on their four-check. They worked on D-zone. They worked in their neutral zone regroup, their neutral zone counters, neutral zone uh, defensive thing. And that's all about being in five-man units. Hockey is a game of read and react. You can put the X's and O's up, but you have to read and react. You can't, it's not football. It's not a set route. Um, and, and I think right now when they're best, it's five-man units. Defensively in their D zone, yeah, it's man-on-man, but there's times you need layers. Sometimes a guy's going to get beat. Who's there to cover? That's a read and react situation. The neutral zone, the gap between the forwards and the back check. The D-man have to be up, but they can't be up unless there's back pressure from the forwards. That allows them to stay up. Um, and then their forecheck has to be better. That's That's been their go-to thing right now. And I think because they're not moving quick enough, they need to get that pace, that speed back to their game. That's about the forwards in on the forecheck. That's the D-man being up on the blue line, ready to pinch at the time with a forward coming back. That's read and react. Okay, sees the D-man going. Forward's already making his way back. I know I get it down the wall. I got to either have the man or the puck. All those things, and they worked on that today. So that's, that. and, and to me, it all comes back to them. They got to play with speed. They got to get that compete, that speed back, and that allows them to play together. They've talked about five-man units in all, all three zones, yeah. all areas of the ice. And there's been too many nights that that just hasn't been there. It's been fragmented, right? For yeah. lack of a better way to put it. Um, the They've got five goals among them. Be, you know, five goals between Carlson, Pacioretty, and Marcisil so far this year. The power play, Shane, you mentioned, and you've kind of talked about this on, on television. 
the one units on most of the yep. damage, right? In basically the Stastny. Either line. than Holden and Marshall, so isn't right. it? Right. They've got, uh, what is it, seven of the nine? They have nine power play goals? Ten. 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 So eight comes. Eight from, of, yeah. of the ten. Stastny, three, three stone, stone ready three, or, patch ready, uh, two. Or stone. So the other guys don't get on the ice very quickly. That's uh, when, no. when that group comes out first. Sometimes they're eating up a minute, a minute and a half because it's an impressive it, looking. It, it's power play it's not, and it's not because they're. It's because they get the puck in the offensive zone and they have chances. And they can't. They get off when there's a break, but uh, they're they're locked in, and it's th- that makes it difficult. I think on the second unit, if you're going to. Um, it's funny. So we're sitting here October 24th, and they, they you know they, they haven't even hit 20 games yet. Obviously, um, if you were going to make a move right now, what would you do? What area would you look to strengthen? Let's put Schmidt back in the lineup and Tuck back in the lineup, which hopefully that happens pretty soon. Is there an area that you look and say they could really use a reinforcement in that spot? I mean, I guess the easy, the low-hanging fruit is <laughs> we just we just wore out the backup goaltending situation. Yes, right. but, well, they, let me and tell I you guess this. that's open for debate, too. They, they don't need to do anything up front. You can always improve, but I, I think they're they're pretty locked in. Yeah. You know, with Cody Glass and what we've seen from him, he's good. He's going to be <laughs> he's going to be great. They don't get that analysis just well, anywhere. You know, you know, I'm just going to say after his last day, the last thing he said, I was going to say like not just a pretty face. The analysis yeah. was so good, and then we get Cody. Glass but so good. so up front <laughs> to me, they're, 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 I, I don't have a problem with the forwards with, as long as they're healthy. Yeah. So that's two areas. I think you can. You can always use a top four defenseman. I would agree with that one. That's the one that sticks out for me. Yeah. You've got Schmidt, Theodore, and McNabb. They have those three spots. And then the other guys, I don't think that I think that, you know, they can they can move up there for a period of time, but I think over the long haul, most of that and they've the all played that well. group. They all yeah, Holden, for sure. Merrill, 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 yeah, sure. For sure. I, I really like Bishop. Well, so Maybe like, he's a potential. That so that's my question to you. Like I wonder. You know, we've seen in certain situations like Dustin Bufflin would play with Ben Sherratt and it was a really good pairing. And Ben Sherratt's a bottom third guy. He's not a top four guy. Like it, it, but he did a few things really well. And you've got to be able to make that first, that real, that three foot pass, that D to D to put your partner into a really good position to get it to the centerman or to one of the other forwards. Bischoff does that very well. As a matter of fact, he might be the best with Schmidt out of the lineup at that first little pass in the defensive zone. So let me ask this question. When eventually Nate Schmidt returns, and even when Alex Tuck returns, that kind of bumps other guys down in the lineup, and guys who are currently in are going to be scratches, assuming everybody's healthy. Mm -hmm. Gerard Gallant seems to stick with the same lineup as long as it's going well, whereas rotating guys in, whether it's on the blue line or on the fourth line. Now, Nick Watt is here. He's yet to play in an NHL game, but it seems to me you want to get him some games. That's why he started the year in the American League, because they wanted to get him games. Um, at some point when Schmidt does return, whether it's Bischoff or England or Merrill or Holden, you're not going to scratch McNabb or Theodore. But where is the mindset of the coaching staff as to some kind of a rotation? Because it's not going to do Bischoff any good to sit on the bench for 10 games. You're not going to sit Derek Anglin for 10 games. You're going to, in other words, it, 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 it seems to me more logical, more sensible to have some kind of a rotation in some of those. And, and same thing with the fourth line. And is it just arbitrary or is it based on matchups with opponents? Now, 
I don't know. I'm not the expert. The coaching staff seems to indicate that it's... You put what works. You put your best lineup out. And it doesn't... Rotation does not matter. Trust me. I've been on the outside. Well, that's why I'm asking. Yeah. And that's part of the gig. Go to John Merrill two years ago. Look at the games he sat out. That... It's tough. But that's part of that 7th D, man. That 13th forward. To to stay fresh. And it may be three weeks. Maybe a month before you get in, but make the most of it. It is uh, it, it's it tough. Is, it is going to be fascinating, though, because Gallant puts the, the dressing room and that vibe and what those guys are saying and thinking really high on his lists of when he goes to make a decision, he's got his filter, and that's really high on the list of things that he filters through. And uh, uh, there are some guys... It's probably hard to take them out of the lineup. It, oh, for sure. It's, it's so easy. there's gonna be, they're gonna. Uh, personally, Jake Bischoff has just been too good. Well, I'm not he, taking uh, him out. So here's a top. So we need a top four defenseman. Or you don't need, but we're saying a top four. Top yeah. four defenseman isn't back in the Jersey days. Uh, Scott Stevens isn't your typical 2019, 2020 no. top four defenseman. What's coming up now for top four? And you're seeing it, Shea Theodore, the way he skates. We're gonna see tomorrow, Kale McCarr. That, Scott, Scott Niedermeyer on those yes. teams. Yeah, I, I know, yeah. but it's not the big defensive yeah. Yeah, D-man shutdown guy. Right. You have to right. be mobile. You have to be able to skate. You need to have real clean breakouts. You got to be able to move the puck, transition the puck. It, it's there's a way bigger skill set now to be a top four D-man than there used to be, say five, six years ago, or even four years ago. Brian Dumoulin, the guy that plays with Chris yeah. Letang. To me, that's what they need. They need a guy that can play like that with Shea Theodore. And maybe it's so maybe it's McNabb is the Brian Dumoulin to uh, Shea Theodore that frees him up a little bit. I think McNabb is more than that. So maybe it's, uh, I, I actually think that, you know, they need to try Bischoff in one of those spots, either Bischoff with Schmidt. I'd put him with Schmidt. And I actually would put him with, with Theodore. So like it's, uh, you're the former player and the, and the, the reigning expert on defense. So I will defer to you about one. I want experience with Theodore. And I get that part of it for sure. Except for the fact that this guy plays like he's been in the league for 10 years. He doesn't rattle. And, uh, so, okay. So fine. We'll put him with, We'll put 45 with 88 and three with 27. That to me makes sense. Then there's makes tough sense. decisions for the coach. Well, that's, and then, you know, and you mentioned this, Gary, and it kind of goes back to Gerard Gallant. He is incredibly loyal. Yeah. Incredibly loyal. And, you know, last year when the Carlson line really wasn't clicking for, it seemed like two months, um, he, he was hesitant to break him up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he did. It's interesting this year, though, the game in Philly. He didn't like anything after the first period, and he juggled three of the four lines. He kept the Nosek line together. Um, and then we joked around. He wasn't sure how long it was going to last. Yeah, one sure period. Sec- first period after the first period in Chicago. But my point was going to be, Gary, you know, is it okay if Ryan Reeves doesn't play every so game? So this is what I just is said. It's matchup say. dependent. Is it okay if Derek Anglin doesn't play? Well, or do you go with 7D once in a while? Because when Dan made this point the other night. He's like, oh, yeah, great, sure. Take Derek Anglin out. Who's going to kill penalties? This guy is one of the best penalty-killing yep. defensemen in the NHL. Right? Tough as nails, block oh. shots, and he's the captain of this team. He doesn't wear the C, but he's the guy. So there's like it's really easy to sit in your Barca lounger with four or five Bud Lights in you and say, "Ah, five, get him out." It's not that easy when you th- when you when you know what he contributes. In those PK situations 
And in the dressing room That's as well. why I won't be surprised if it goes back to McNabb, Schmidt, England, Theodore, Holden, Merrill. And yeah, Bischoff is the extra guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and to your point, though, Gary, I don't, see that, I don't see that working. But he's the guy that has to manage all of those yeah. personalities and egos. Coach. And that's, and he's the guy that's got to 101 wins in 138 right. games. So uh, the last time I checked, he's pretty good at his job. Shane, is, Gerard Gallant has not done this with the Golden Knights, but other coaches do it, and some more than others. Does a, a lineup with seven defensemen make sense to you no, in any way? I don't like it. You don't like it. I as don't a like player, it. you didn't like it. Didn't like it as a player. And, and why? Because then you got to, D Man's got to play forward, right? Pretty much on the fourth line, well, which you can double shift do. somebody. I mean, some teams yeah, don't, I don't use like their it. fourth liners very much. The Golden Knights do. There's certain coaches that like, and I know you're around John Cooper, who's probably one of the biggest right. proponents of it, but I'm I love not what a they fan. did. Luke Witkowski was a defenseman, and now yeah. he's a forward. How often does <laughs> Coop go with 70? Well, it not, I think it, it, it was something that he did more in the minors. It seems that he has not done it as much in the NHL. And, and I think that, you know, you're, you're learning a new league and, and that kind of thing. And uh, in, in the American League, there's not a 23-man roster limit. You've got more guys on your roster, yeah. typically. So that might have been some of the reason, too. But they had so many good puck-moving guys. So uh, I, I'm not sure. that, that But it's at least a thought because it's a way of, of keeping Derek in the lineup, maybe cutting down on some of his minutes, but also having him available. But it creates other problems, as you pointed out, Shane. So I, I don't have the solution. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. <laughs> Glad to be here, David. The Sheriff Lala, some guy named Dave Podcast, coming to you from our studios in downtown summer. Be sure to check out your vet, your best Golden Knights gear. You can visit our four official team store locations. The Armory located at T-Mobile, the Arsenal right here at City National where we're sitting, Park MGM, and also if you're at McCarran International Airport, you can check out our souvenir locations. Go to VegasTeamStore.com for more information. All right, throw around a few things here. Four-game homestand for the Golden Knights. Starting it out with Colorado. Uh, Avalanche off to a great start, 7-1-1. One, one. Big loss to them. Miko Ranton and out, enormous loss to them. Uh, if you're squeamish, don't look at what happened. Wasn't pretty, left ankle. Um, who's the best team in the NHL right now? I think it's the Colorado Avalanche. I think okay. this is going to be a, a monster test. They're deep. Kadri's your third-line center. They've got they've had excellent goaltending. McKinnon is a, an absolute force. There are nights when he, we watched him against Calgary in the playoffs – Took over games, just took over games. He's without Nate Schmidt in the lineup. He is a really difficult matchup for the Vegas Golden Knights. The best team, Knights. Oh boy, I'm hesitant to give it to Colorado. I, I think they, for them, the biggest step they took last year was a was that run and getting into playoffs and winning that first round. I think that just elevated this season for them, and then the moves they made. Uh, you know, Buffalo's rolling, but uh, they were rolling last year. Weren't they first last year uh, after Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving? They were number one. Over, they were yeah. 17, so, 6, and it's 2. A little, uh, I, I hate to say it, but the, the Boston Bruins look really good. And I know I don't want to be, and we talk about goaltending tandems. Is there a better one than Halak and, uh, and Rask? Oh. Um, nope. They're good. Uh, there's a lot. Of, and then Nashville Predators, to me, this year, they couldn't score last year. It hasn't been a problem this year. Yeah. Uh, they've been throwing up. So there's so much parody in the league. For me, it's hard to pick one team. Dan, you get a, uh, you get a leader in the clubhouse. I mean, it, you can't have the conversation without mentioning the Buffalo Sabres and what they've done. Uh, but you know, is 
Carter Hutton, Carter Hutton the answer. <laughs> we were just talking it. about that list of goals saved above average. I think Carter Hutton's like third or fourth on that list. I mean, he's yeah. been great. He's been around a while. Um, really interesting guy. and seems to uh, to be a big part of that. And some of the young guys, you know, getting to where they uh, where Buffalo was hoping. Uh, again, like you wonder early on, is the sample size large enough? Watching the Tampa Bay Lightning against the Pittsburgh Penguins on national TV yesterday, both of those teams look really good. And even though Tampa Bay in moments has, they've not played up to their president's trophy standards from last year, you can see that they still have ingredients that would put them among the very best. Vasilevsky, unbelievable. Victor Hedman, he's, he's Norris candidate every year. Steven Stamkos. And then you get into the Kucherovs and Palats and on and on and on. And then the youngsters coming up too. That you, you can't ignore that team because they were the best team by far. They were one of the best teams in the last quarter century. Um, and and Pittsburgh, we just saw them in person, thinking about who's it's not available. Washington, and, and right, and that's right. where and that's where I was going. You've got you know that John Pittsburgh Carlson. team, and then John Carlson, right? They asked you who leads the league in scoring. There you yeah. go, John, John Carlson. Carlson. One point eight two points per game. Yeah. Bobby Orr's best season was one point seven eight. Or word. Bobby small Orr. sample. Bobby size. Orr's pretty good. <laughs> that's, uh, hey, good for John Carlson, yeah. but small sample size. I would say Colorado, but I think it's going to change because you pull a player like Ranson out of that lineup. You know, they addressed their secondary scoring issues, right? They went out and they got Kadri. They uh, brought Burakovsky in. Well, this isn't meant to be who's going to win the yeah, Stanley But Cup. I'm it's saying, like, right, right, now, now, right now, right now, Colorado. right now, I like Colorado a lot. I say right now, Buffalo then. So well, that's what I mean. Just yeah. to be different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I, do you I'm wonder you, about Shane? their yeah. staying Never power, agree right? with Gary. That's what's going to be yeah. Shane's. Uh, Shane's uh, <laughs> pretty much my life model. Used to it by now. His credo. <laughs> uh, so, all right. So, Colorado, the best team. I don't want to ask you who the worst team is, but I'll, let's go to the other end of the spectrum. The team that you expected to be better that isn't any better or worse than you expected them to be. Three weeks into the season. I mean, the two that come to mind, I thought the Devils would be better. I thought the Stars would be better. Those are the first two that come to mind. I, I'm not surprised with the Devils. It, it's well, the acquisitions. Then you, I mean, Jack Hughes finally did score a goal. Like you, you thought that, you know, you make a, a splash in the offseason with some of the moves that they had. You thought that they would do well. At least I did. I didn't think they were going to be great. But I thought that now they've won a couple of games. Uh, but that... Uh, they, a couple of years ago, they made the playoffs. Last year, when we saw them, they just didn't look good. They managed a, a crazy, uh, exciting comeback win. But I, I thought they'd be better. Uh, no, to me, it's at Dallas. Dallas. Uh, with yeah, especially Dallas. when you're adding Joe Pavelski, you put you thought that that would put them a notch ahead, and they've they've gone a notch or two in the wrong direction. I I would go Dallas. Um, you know, we kind of kicked it around on TV, Gary. You, you, they bring in. You know, I don't know how much Corey Perry has left, but he missed their first seven games. He, he's got a three-point game this first game he played for them. Jamie Benn has one I was goal. Say, where's Jamie Benn? Uh, you know, Joe Pavelski and hasn't seemed Montgomery's to be dog a fit, They man. rolled their they rolled six out in a in a to try and get an empty. What do they need? They, uh, uh, what's the name? Lights. They need lights to come up. Yes, yeah. Pep talk. Playing Shane Gatti up in Vegas. It's all his fault. Paying him all that money for. But Jimmy Montgomery had an interesting quote after they lost a game in this recent stretch, where he said, "It's you cannot infuse desire into people." And he's exactly, it's got, he, he said, he made a great I'll analogy. If there's a loose puck in the corner <laughs> and it's between you and me to get to that loose yeah, puck, I'll, I'll bite, bite your leg off yeah. to get to that puck. That is Point being, we don't have enough of those guys. That's a gauntlet for a coach to throw that down this early in the season, especially yeah. with Jock Stevens standing on your bench beside you. Like that's yeah. a, that's a, you don't come back from that one. 
No, that's it, that's worse than what Jim Light said last year because that's coming from a guy who's played, who knows the game, is in the room, and is got the best finger on the pulse than anyone else. That to me, Shane, if you are oh, yeah. on that team, that'd be hard to take. Oh, you got to take it though. It's a, the results are there. Yeah. Right. The yeah. other, I, I I wasn't sure if Jersey would be any better, but you know, but they have the number one pick twice in three years. They bring yeah. in Wayne Simmons. Wayne Simmons won assist by the way at last check as a devil. Um, they go all four and two out of the gate. Mm-hmm. They can't defend. They, they and, and they're goaltending. And they're PK Subban is you don't bring him in to defend. No. And you've got Schneider and Blackwood as your tandem, which I, you know, I, the, at the end of the day, block, eh? that's a real, that, that was an interesting move when that happened yeah. for me. Uh, I thought that San Jose would be better than three and five, but this was a team that was almost in the Stanley cup last year. And they're a train wreck. Lost their captain. They lost Justin Braun. There's another team. They made mistakes. I, I don't like their summer. Uh, like, you know, you watch it. Doug Wilson's one of the best general managers in the NHL, but you watch it from afar and you're like, really? You're going to let Pavelski go? Like, th- like that to me was giving Eric Carlson all that money and and letting Joe Pavelski walk as a result of it. That was a confusing one. And that is, it's so interesting in today's game. You you want to you want to build a winner? You better get buy-in from your guys. Because when Eric Carlson d- decided he was getting top dollar, no matter what, it's, it meant that well, it meant Joe Pavelski had yeah. to leave. Well, that's why they brought Marlowe back. Maybe something in yeah, that room. I don't, I don't know. know. So right. uh, Toronto's Sorry. another team too that I thought yeah. would be better than they are right now. Last one for you of teams that have that have maybe been better than you thought they would be. Edmonton, Buffalo, Vancouver, Buffalo, Anaheim, Anaheim. Just I'm just kind of off the cuff. Who hangs in there and makes the playoffs? Mm, great question. And who oh, do you think? But when it's all said and done, fades out of the top eight in the East or the West. I'll I'll say the Edmonton show spoils again. I I we I know they made it a couple years ago, uh, and last year, despite some of the uh, what you thought would be a, another a similar kind of team, we talked about it earlier. You're using the top flight players so much, you're relying on them so heavily. If it doesn't go just right, you you you, you falter. And so I I wonder if they can keep it up. Uh, it's been a good start. It's better than a bad start, and trying to play catch up like some other teams. But I, I wonder if the uh, I wonder if they're the way that they are built is going to work in the long haul. Yeah, it's interesting. Vancouver made some good moves. I, I like yeah. what they've done. They, you know, Quinn Quinn Hughes, Tyler Myers. Like their the defense is a lot better. Bo Horvat's growing. Uh, J T. Miller's there. Uh, they've got some great. I like Travis Green as a coach. Like the goaltending to do it. That's why I'm going to pick Anaheim. I think John Gibson, uh, and I think what Dallas Aikens is doing there, he's a guy that can get everybody to buy in. Uh, he's working with these young players that he's already had last year in San Diego. Uh, and then John Gibson, to me, is the expert. I always look, you always look to goaltending, right? I think Gibson's one of the top goaltenders. I'd put him top five in the league. Well, man, who, uh, of the surprises, I guess, who hangs in there? I think, I, I think Edmonton hangs in. Uh, and, uh, I don't love their bottom six, and I don't love uh, their defense, and I don't love their goaltending. <laughs> Other than that. Other than that, it's great. They've, they've got the best. They've got the best, best two players, players, best best players. players yeah, in the NHL. And I just like, and they, you know, I think Dave Tippett is, gets them. Dave Tippett won. If you look at wherever he's gone, when he first went to L.A., 20-point improvement. 
when he first went to Dallas, 20-point improvement. When he first went to Arizona, 20-point improvement. His first year on the job has often been his best in terms of what he's gotten out of his group. So I I think that uh, at some point, Connor McDavid has to be back in the playoffs. I'll tell you what, though, I wouldn't want to be the team playing against them because in a seven-game series, he could be really dangerous. Yeah, and I'll go with I'll go with Edmonton too. It's funny when you say that, Gary. So in, with McDavid, they made the playoffs once, but even before him, right? They've been the playoffs once in 13 years. So I think just by nature of they have the best player in the game, and now you throw Dry Settle in the mix. And oh, by the way, James Neal, who as we sit here leads the league in goals, um, can they outscore some of their defensive issues? Can they outscore the their goaltending situation with Koskinen and, and I don't know, is Mike Smith the guy that I don't know. I don't think so, but are they going to be able to to hang in there? And I think just by the law of averages, it, now you can say that about Buffalo. Buffalo's missed the playoffs eight in a row, mm-hmm. right? They have the longest stretch now that Carolina made it last year. But I think Edmonton, I think Edmonton hangs in there. And that you know, it's funny with a few of those teams that hang. The in. year they they, they this, Arizona, this one year in the last thirteen that they made it. They went to Game Seven, second round against Anaheim before yeah. they lost. Yeah. So it wasn't like they were, uh, you know, an easy out in the first round either. So, all right, fellas, I that think that, that wraps up another award-winning edition of the Share of Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Four-game homestand coming up: Colorado, Anaheim, Montreal, and Winnipeg. And uh, of course, you can listen to Dan and Gary on uh, the radio station, Shane and I on the TV sets, and uh, we hope you do both. And we'll talk to you next time on the Share of Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast.